0: This is the Jesus Habit Podcast, where we're using scripture and science to make your new nature in Christ second nature. Episode 31 for Monday, October 14th, 2019. (laughs) The Big Idea We are the people of a better hope. Our weekly identity statement, My hope is anchored firm and secure to Jesus and the work he completed on my behalf. And our memory verse, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need, Hebrews 4, 14-16. Last week, I did a talk and worksheet on the enemy. Within all of that, I shared some practical tips for dealing with the tricks the devil likes to play on our minds. We talked about his two primary tactics being ideas and isolation. He loves to get us off by ourselves. More than that, he loves to get us by ourselves and then use an idea to assault us. Sometimes it's a barrage of distractions when we're trying to be more intentional with our time with Jesus. Other times, it's just the obsession of a specific idea that he can use to keep us distracted. Our enemy does not want us to gain any sort of momentum in our walk with God. Anytime we start putting in more effort to know Jesus, the enemy will start to pick at us. That's what he does. He's a picker. Seriously, he just picks here and there at us. Some people, from Mark chapter 4, some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Have you ever seen a bird eat? They pick and pick and pick until they find something. And that's what the devil does. He picks and picks and picks until he gets to something that works. This is another reason we need to be much more intentional about our input and influence sources. If we have negative or non-Christian inputs and influences, there are a lot more opportunities for the loser to get us off track. In today's reading from 2 Corinthians 11, Paul is addressing the fickle approach the Corinthian believers had to their faith. They seem to not be decided about what was truth. Instead, they just seem to willingly accept any teaching that came along. This sounds like a lot of believers that I have known in our day. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough, Paul says. You put up with it easily enough. One of the things I have been thinking a lot about lately are all the concessions we have made in our Christian faith in my lifetime. Some of the examples I'm going to share weren't really based in scripture, but the heart behind them was good, at least until they became religious requirements to be a Christian in America. I share these examples not as illustrations of truth, but as illustrations of the concessions we have made to what we thought was faith. For example, we used to have Sunday school, morning worship, evening worship, and midweek services growing up. But the culture changed, and people were too busy to come more than once a week. In the 1980s, the average church attender was at church 3.4 times per month. Today, the average church attender makes it 1.6 times per month. And yes, that's the average church attender, not visitors. We also wouldn't buy things on Sundays, and a lot of businesses were closed on Sundays. I remember this one changing. As a kid, I got in trouble for buying a popsicle from the ice cream truck on a Sunday afternoon. Probably more because I deliberately disobeyed my dad than because I broke the don't buy stuff on Sundays rule. But then, we gradually started buying more and more stuff until it was perfectly normal to do so without guilt. Although, I do still have a tinge of guilt when I go to the store on a Sunday. Those concessions pale in comparison to the concessions many Christians, even churches, are making today. Because the voice of the opposition is so loud and because there are so many who disagree with our stance on certain topics, many have decided it's easier to concede than to stand by God's word. They put up with the new teaching easily enough and wander farther and farther away. They're buying the sugary drinks at the concession stand with no regard to its effect on their soul. Please don't read this and think I'm arguing for cultural Christianity and a need to be a Christian nation again. The only way we become a Christian nation again is if the Christians in our nation start acting more like Christians again. For some of us, we have been watered down over the years and no longer cling to any semblance of the truth. For others of us, We have embraced a version of the gospel that yells in anger against non-believers who neither agree with us or have the ability to do so since they don't have the power of the resurrected Spirit of Christ to help them. We are buying unsweetened lemonade from the concession stand and spewing the sour taste out on anyone within listening distance. We should not forget that the people Jesus was the most angry with were the religious leaders of their time. Jesus spent very little, if any, time condemning sinners. But no matter what side of the concession stand we find ourselves on, many of us have put up with a non biblical approach to Christianity. We don't even realize that what we've done is actually fallen prey to Satan himself, who has masqueraded himself as an angel of light. Some of us have fallen for one mask, the Jesus was all about love and grace, that's all we have to do, God will take care of the rest, don't worry so much about the truth mask. While others among us have fallen for his other mask, Jesus was all about repentance, people need the truth, people need to feel guilty for their sins, people don't need grace as much as they need to know that they're wrong. So which is it? Overly gracious or overly truthful? It's both. It's both. Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. Equally full of both. 100% grace and 100% truth. Is grace important? Yes, as equally important as truth. Is truth important? Yes, as equally important as grace. To be honest, there are probably a thousand other masks of light we have fallen for. I think we are a pretty impressionable culture it's a clever tactic. It looks like the truth. It looks close enough. And regardless of the fact that this generation has the greatest access to God's Word, more so than every other generation combined, we are only growing in our biblical illiteracy. Because we have settled for a vicarious faith instead of a first-person experience with our Creator, we still need milk because no one ever taught us how to feed ourselves. And that's what we're trying to do at You see, it's a lot easier to stay zeroed in on the truth when you're reading it, meditating on it, listening to it, and letting God speak to you through it every single day. The more you read it, the more it becomes a homing beacon for the way you live your life. The more you pray and talk with your Heavenly Father, the more you know what His voice sounds like in all situations. And the more you are around other believers who echo that same truth back to you, that same grace back to you, the more solid you will become in God's word and ways. But we have become friends with the world. We don't really look all that different from the non-believing world around us these days. We talk the same, act the same, gossip the same, get upset the same, road rage the same, watch the same, drink the same, sound the same, think the same, consume the same, obsess over ourselves the same, and a hundred other ways we are just like the non-believing world around us. We aren't just friends. In many ways, we're BFFs. It's time for a change. And the good news is, the change is pretty simple. Even though we have fallen for the masks of the devil, all we have to do is submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee. You don't have to fight the battle against the devil. Jesus has already done that. Because he is forever beaten like a church kid who lied about their homework, all we have to do is resist. Once the masquerade of light experiences the true light of the resurrection that busted up his face 2,000 years ago, he has no choice but to turn and run. So let's stop flirting with the world, seeing how close to the line we can get. And let's put all our attention on drawing near to God and see how close to God we can get. That's the kind of competition our church needs. <music> www.thejesushabit.com